Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you are doing well today. Uh, we are wrapping up our sermon series called Two Tickets to Paradise. Summer is coming to an end. Everybody said, oh, great. But uh, our kids are going back to school in a couple of days, so that's at least a redeeming factor that uh, they're going back there and they can kind of deal with them some. Uh, but man, we, are, we, we hope you had a great time this summer and you guys got a chance to spend some time with friends and family. Uh, I want to welcome our LaGrange campus. Uh, you guys are our family. We love you guys. Uh, Pete, Mike, Courtney, everybody down there. Uh, also, if you're watching online, uh, Facebook Live, uh, I want to say welcome as well. If you're traveling, uh, wherever you're at, uh, we're so very thankful that you're joining us this morning. Uh, if you would turn with me in your Bible to John 14, that's where we're going to be at today. John 14. And before we uh, wrap the sermon series up, I got a little bone to pick with Micah Puckett and Caleb and Ben and Trey. And they didn't play the song for us, man. They didn't give us two tickets to paradise. I mean, every time you say that, you want to sing it. And then they didn't even play it for us, man. So listen, send them an email. Tell them how disappointed you are in them. And uh, just really give them the what for through email. Because, uh, man, I wanted it. You know, maybe that's just me and selfish. So anyways, can we give it up for our bands? LaGrange, uh, Noonan. Guys, this is, this is just amazing. I've got to experience music a long time and, and church world and worship and stuff. We have something special special here. And so those guys are absolutely incredible. Today we are going to talk about the ultimate paradise. We're going to wrap it up with the, with the discussion of heaven. Okay. We're going to look at John 14 here in just a moment where Jesus is setting the stage for heaven. He's about to leave and he's kind of given us a playbook as to what it is and how we get there and what we're supposed to do in the meantime. And so heaven is our home. It's, it's our, it's ultimate paradise. If you were to do some research, ironically, America is still considered to be a Christian nation. Uh, I know it's kind of crazy to think and say because there's a lot of craziness that's happening in our world today, but we still have in God, we trust inscribed in the back of our money. We still say one nation under God when we say the Pledge of Allegiance for how much longer, I'm not quite sure, but we still consider, we're, we're still considered a Christian nation. But if you talk to people, around our community, if you watch TV, if you read blogs, if you, you know, you spend any time in the news, you actually find out that not everybody believes the same thing as it pertains to heaven and paradise and who God is. Everybody kind of has their own idea how we get to heaven and it varies uh, from person to person. There is a, uh, there's a company out called Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life. That's a mouthful. If you're watching Mr. Pew Forum uh, and uh, on religion and public life, we need to change your company name. It's a little bit difficult, and that's just my opinion. But anyway, they do a uh, religious landscape survey, uh, and they poll tens of thousands of people, and it's a lengthy survey, and they discuss all kinds of things as it relates to church and Christian life and public life. And one of the most staggering stats in there is this one to me when it pertains to heaven is 56% of evangelicals don't believe that their religion is the only way to heaven. Over half of the Bible believing Christians, the evangelicals, the one that say, Hey, I'm following Christ. Over half of them don't believe that their religion is the only way to heaven. 
There's so many different ideas as to what the afterlife holds for us, right? Uh, Some people believe that you uh, are are a ghost and you're in an alternative parallel and you get to communicate with uh, people here on this earth and you got to be released. I want to say it's like Beetlejuice or something, wasn't it? Like, yeah, kind of like having to be released by somebody. Or maybe you think there's nirvana and and it's just this perfect, uh, amazing place where you get to float away on a cloud and we're all high and and unicorns are shooting rainbows out of their other, you know, horn or whatever. Or maybe you think that you're reincarnation, you know, that you're going to come back to life millions of times as either an, an animal or a plant or a bug or, or, or a whatever until you can reincarnate as a, a human again. Uh, there's so many different ideas as to what life is like after we die. Some believe that heaven is a fun place to go as long as I'm a good person here on the earth. As long as I go to church and check the boxes and I give a little bit here and I take care of the, you know, whatever here. And as long as I'm a good person, I get to go to heaven. You see, all of us have a theology, a belief on God, whether you believe he's, he's real or not, or there's many gods or whatever it is. We all have our ideas. We've had to come to terms with that question. And we also all have an idea of what, the, what life offers us after we die. We have an idea on what paradise actually is. But the burning question is, are you right or are you wrong? The burning question is, is do you actually have it right? Eternity is a really long time. It's nothing to be gambling with, really, if you think about it. We better get it right. Ravi Zacharias has this statement and it says that we have the right to believe whatever we want, but not everything we believe is right. And I would say eternity in heaven and hell is something that we better get right. Death is not so much of a popular topic. You know, it's difficult when a loved one passes away or it's just some tragic thing happens. Um, You know, it's difficult to talk about, but it's a reality. It truly is a reality. You know, it's the Bible says that our days are numbered. When we're born, essentially the clock is is ticking. And the average life expectancy of Americans uh, today is 78.7 years. And so there's going to come an end. And the question is, is will you face, will you face the afterlife or, or however you want to say it, will you face death with confidence? You see, death is only a heavy topic if you don't know where you're going. It's not heavy if we know that, hey, we're passing through this life. This isn't my permanent home. Robert Jordan says this quote, he says, death comes for us all. We can only choose how to face it when it comes Let me ask you this question. How will you face death? Confidently, knowing you've given your life to Christ and that you have heaven waiting for you? Or do you sit in the seat today kind of worrying about if you've ever made that decision and given your life to Christ and you're like, yeah, man, I I just don't know. I hope by the end of this message that you're going to make a decision for Christ and that you'll make your decision based on what Jesus says, not even what I say, not what TV says, not what your friends say but what God says, not even what your parents say, but what does Jesus say, the one true living God, the son of God, what does he say? Can I trust it? And is it real? For many of us, the scariest thing about death is the unknown. Hey, we haven't experienced it. We haven't walked through this. So it is unknown to us. So it's, it's a little bit worrisome. But if you're a Christian in this room today, you know you're going home. It's a graduation. It's a, it's a uniting with our heavenly father. That's what heaven is. Heaven is our home. 
Before we jump into John 14, though, I have a couple of verses that I just kind of want to rattle down. There's, there's many verses in the Bible uh, that has to do with, with death and, and, and what to expect in the afterlife. I just wanted to read these before we kind of jump into John 14. Here's a couple of thoughts. Hebrews 9.27, you can write it down and study it a little bit later if you would like. Nine, Hebrews 9.27, and just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes the judgment. After that comes the judgment. This kind of ends the discussion on reincarnation and, and, and cat, you know, you got nine lives like a cat and you're going to come back. No, you got one life to live. And after that, you're going to be judged on how you lived that life. Second Corinthians five, six through eight says, therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord for we live by faith and not by sight. And we are confident, I say, and prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Scholars and other translations make it, they say it like this, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? We know when we pass here, if you're a Christian, we know that we're immediately in the presence of God. Hebrews 13, 14 says it like this, for this world is not our permanent home and we are looking forward to a home yet to come. Looking forward to a home yet to come. That home is heaven. So let's take a look at John 14 really quick here. And uh, I kind of want to break down verses 1 through 14 for you and uh, just for the next few moments. What's happening here is Jesus is beginning to discuss his departure with his disciples. He's got his, his guys together and he's discussing his departure. He's setting the stage for heaven and, uh, and he's given a pre-farewell address, so to speak. And, and the disciples, they're not having it, man. They are not happy about this discussion. Jesus sees the worry and the anxiety on their hearts. And if you even look up above 14, Peter is saying, Lord, uh, where, where are you going? I'm, I'm going with you. Tell me how to follow you. I'm going wherever you go. What you're telling me I can't go with you. He's, he's not understanding. So Jesus slows down the moment. He gathers the guys together, huddle up guys, huddle up, huddle up. And he begins to encourage them. And this is what John 14 says. It's beautifully laid out. It's the playbook to life after death. It's the playbook to the life we're supposed to live here and the mission that we're supposed to be on as Christians. It's so cool. He answers three things, and these are the three questions that we are going to, to answer. Is heaven real? This is a question I think every human asks, period. Is heaven real? How do I get there? Is there multiple ways? Is it reincarnation? Is it, how, how do I get to this place, heaven? And number two, what am I supposed to do now? What am I supposed to do right now? Jesus answers all of that. Let's read. If you're following along on your iPhone or in your Bibles, John 14, we're going to start in verse number one. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way, under that's important, you know the way to the place to where I am going. Verses one through two, what we see here, Jesus, again, he sees that worry, that loneliness, that anxiety that's on the faces of the, of the uh, disciples. And he's saying, hey, guys, don't be intimidated by my leaving and my departure. Don't be scared that I'm leaving you. I, I know you're not understanding, but be confident. 
have confidence. Trust me. Believe in me. He's basically saying, hey, have I ever let you down before? I am trustworthy and you can believe it. Jesus is laying out the playbook. You know, he's going to go, he's going to die on the cross. He's going to raise again. And then he's got to go to heaven. It's the next step in his rescue mission for you and for me. He's got to go up to heaven and prepare a place for us. And when he's done and he's ready, he's going to come back to earth and he's going to take everybody that believes in him with him. That's what he's saying. Guys, hey, have hope. Be confident. Is heaven real? Absolutely it's real. It's where Jesus is now. He's preparing that place for us. And what is our job? Our job is to believe it. Our job is to believe what Jesus says. There is life after death. Heaven is real. And our job is to believe. Verse number three, if you take a look at that, this is really important. I want to point this out. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Listen, I know there's a bunch of country songs out about when I get to heaven, we're going to fish in the Crystal Lake, we're going to crack open some cold ones, and we're going to kick back and have a good time, man. You know, and like we have this idea that, you know, heaven is just about stuff and, and things. And heaven has little to do with the stuff and everything to do with being in the presence of God forever. The purpose of heaven is for us to be in God's presence forever. And think about that. Think about that moment, that moment that you cross over in that threshold. Everything that you experienced here on this life, it's all worth it in that very moment. All the heartache, all the brokenness, all the trial, all of the loss, all of the confusion and hurt, it all becomes worth it right in that moment. And that very moment when you're in the presence of God Almighty, it's worth it. It's worth it. Purpose of heaven is for us to be in God's presence forever. So yes, heaven is real. The next question that Jesus answers here is, how, how do I get there? Right? He, he, verse 4, it says, and you know the way to the place where I am going, the way, okay? Thomas chimes in. He's like, time out. Hold on a second. I'm not understanding this way thing. Uh, can I ask a question? I know there's no stupid questions, but I kind of, you know, I got one. Oh, hold up. Hey, Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I know Thomas kind of gets the, the rap of being doubting Thomas and he doubts, but Thomas is more of a realist, I think, in this moment, right? He's a realist. He's not understanding. He's like, okay, Jesus, so is it east on this road here? Or can you jot the directions down on a, on a napkin? I don't care what it is. We're following you wherever you go. Just tell us the way, the road. Thomas wasn't understanding kind of that metaphor that Jesus was using. He was talking about ultimately a relationship with God and how that has implications on our eternal destiny, which is heaven. A relationship with God equals eternal paradise. That's what Jesus is saying. And, and Thomas just wasn't getting it. He wasn't understanding. Jesus is saying, hey, it's not an actual road. The way that Jesus is communicating here is a way of life. Hey, I'm going to walk not according to the flesh and according to the spirit. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to walk, you know, this idea of the road is used all throughout the Bible. And Jesus is saying, it's not a physical road. What I'm telling you is that it's a way of life. And here's what Jesus does. He delivers one of the most important verses in the history of the Bible. He delivers one of the most famous verses ever, and that's John 14, 6. Let's read it together. And he says, well, Thomas, I'm the way. 
I'm the truth and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. For now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Jesus is the way. Jesus clarifies in this very moment that the only way to heaven is through a relationship with him. He destroys any idea of universalism. He destroys any idea of there's another way to get there. Uh, there's many gods and all that stuff. No, he lays it to rest out of, the wor- out of the mouth of the living son of God. He says, I'm the way. It's me. He's the truth. You know, I find it interesting when you study truth and, and think about truth and absolutes and things like that. You and I, we only can discover what is true. We can never create what is true. We only have the right to discover it. What's true is true, and what's not true is not true. And that goes for everybody all of the time. And a lot of times we get in trouble because we want to create what we think should be true, or we want to make what's, eh, I kind of feel this way, like I think there's many ways to heaven, and that's kind of, that's kind of exclusive, and we don't, that's kind of harsh, and so let's just, you know, we don't have the right to do that. We only can discover the truth, just like we discovered gravity. We didn't create gravity, but we got to discover it, got to discover it. And so we make the mistake as to, as to thinking what may be true, and we begin to question it, and we come up with our own versions of what's true, and it gets us into trouble. And when it comes to heaven, listen to this, when it comes to, when it comes to heaven, if you think you're going to get there by your good works, because you're a good person, because you come to church, and because you check the boxes, and because you do this thing, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. The only way to heaven is through a relationship with Jesus Christ, period. That's it. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe that Jesus is the only way? Do you believe he's the truth and the life? If you can't answer yes to that, then I would ask that you solidify that in your heart today. Because eternity is a really long time to spend separated from God. But if you can't answer yes to that, then listen, you got heaven that's waiting for you. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. A few years ago, Oprah on her TV show, you know, she's loved by millions and millions and watched by millions of people. They were talking about getting to heaven and she made this statement. She said, there couldn't possibly be just one way. And I began to think about that. I began to think, does Oprah know something that Jesus doesn't know? Or is it reversed? Does Jesus know something that maybe Oprah doesn't know? And she's got millions of people that follow her and millions of people that are wrestling with this very question. And all of a sudden we have probably millions of people putting their hope and their trust in what Oprah is saying. Instead of taking the ultimate authority on life, which is God's word, and taking the very words of God himself, they'd rather rather listen to somebody else than to this. And that's a dangerous place to be. We have the right to believe Anything we want, but not everything we believe is right. That is so true. So moving on, verse number eight, let's look at this. You know, again, the disciples, they're not understanding what's happening here. Philip chimes in. He's like, okay, I got another question. Sorry for all the questions. And he says, Lord, you know, I'm I'm not understanding this. He says, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Philip gets very practical in this moment. He's like, okay, let's, let's end this thing. Show me the father. You know, they've got Jesus very tangibly standing in front of them. They can like grab him and say, okay, I I understand this. 
This is what I understand. Jesus, is, is the father hiding behind a tree over there? Can you tell him, come on out, let's, let's meet him, and then we're good. We're fine. And then Jesus answers Philip, and he says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time. Philip, we've been talking about this for a really long time, dude. You must not have been paying attention. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Jesus recognized yet again that disciples are having a hard time understanding it. They're having a belief issue. And he's saying, you have to believe me. Philip, Thomas, everybody. Hey, guys, listen up. You got to believe me. And he's saying the same thing to you today. You have to believe that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Is heaven real? Absolutely, he's real. I'm sorry. Yes, absolutely, it's real. How do we get there? It is only through a relationship with Jesus. What are we supposed to do now? And then I want to close. John 14, moving on to verse 12. Just skip down a a little bit there. It says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater, greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. I love this portion of Scripture because it kind of comes out of nowhere and smacks you in the face because what Jesus has been doing up to this point is consoling and encouraging and saying, hey guys, it's going to be okay. You can be confident. And then all of a sudden he says, okay, get your eyes and your mind off of your current situation and let's put it on the future. There is work to be done. Let's, let's stop worrying. Heaven's real. You get there through me. I'm coming back to get you. Now we got a job to do. What am I supposed to do with my life now as a Christian? We're supposed to be spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. We're to be spreading the word about the forgiveness of sin. And the amazing things is that anybody who believes, they're going to be able to go out and do the work. And any of those people that believe, they're going to be able to go out and do the work. And the word is going to spread and spread and spread. And we're going to be able to do greater things than he uh, did while he was on this earth. And the cool thing is, is we have direct access to God himself because Jesus is there. And anything we ask, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. It's incredible. We're not here on this earth just to burn time and to eat as many tacos as we possibly can. We have a job. We have to do something. If you would, bow your heads with me. I want to pray. And then there's an action step. And then we're going to move into a time of worship. We just, the band's going to come back out and we're going to sing a few more songs before we close today. And before we move any further, I just want to ask you this question. Do you have your ticket to paradise Do you have your ticket punched yourself? Do you believe John 14, what we just literally walked through line for line? Do you believe that heaven is real and that that's where Jesus is? He's preparing a place for you and me. And we get there only through a relationship with Jesus. And that while we're here on earth, we've got a job to do. Let me ask you this very pointed question. If you died today where would you spend eternity would you spend it in heaven
because you've believed in Jesus or would you spend it in a place called hell, which is a lake of fire where there's gnashing of teeth and even more excruciating than even that is a complete eternal separation from our heavenly father. We, will know, we won't know love. We'll be void of joy and peace. We won't have that relationship with Jesus. That's hell. And if we can't determine in our heart and surrender ourselves to Jesus, that's a scary reality. The cool thing is that his gift of salvation is free. It's free to you. It's free to me. And all we have to do is confess with our mouth and to believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and we'll be saved. Acts 4.12 says this, salvation is found in no one else. There's no other way to be saved. There's no other way to go to heaven. For there is no name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. If you haven't given your life to Christ in this moment, I want to encourage you. Why don't you go ahead and do that? Why don't you go ahead and surrender your life truly? Why don't you seal your fate? Seal your eternal destiny Now, don't wait. Don't wait any longer than this very moment. If you're unsure, if you think, man, you know what? I'm getting to heaven by my good works. Listen, put all that aside. Give your life to Christ. Believe in him and then confess with your mouth, Jesus, I believe in you. You are the way and the truth and the life. I give my life to you. That's all you have to say. God, I surrender myself to you. Come and be my Lord and my Savior. I choose to follow you. I give you my life. Do you just cry out to Jesus right now? He wants nothing more than to be in relationship with you. He's waiting. He is waiting for you. Do you surrender yourself to him in this moment?